0: You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist, been helping people change their lives since 1996, broadcasting from the French Alps, and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. We're picking up on last week's episode where we talked about intention and attention, what I called the two-piece jigsaw. If you recollect, we talked about the equation. Attention plus intention equals extraordinary results. I could put it another way and say proper focus plus proper goals equals that extraordinary success that I've just mentioned. Now. You probably know what I'm talking about when I say proper focus, because if you refer back to our very early episodes in this podcast series, you will recollect that even though the ordinary person, the ordinary man or woman in the street, so to speak, says, oh, I was focused on this, or I was focused on that, or some days I'm really focused and some days I'm not, or, you know, sometimes I I feel that... I am really in the zone and I'm focused. The ordinary mind doesn't know how to focus. We talked very on in this series about the attentional spotlight, how when we are in the zone, when we are in what the University of Chicago calls flow, our attentional spotlight is shining brightly in the here and now and under our control. The ordinary mind doesn't have control over the attentional spotlight because the way in which the mind evolved. The attentional spotlight is held in reserve for the automatic fail-safe mechanisms, the survival mechanisms, that saved our lives, enabled us to thrive, but enable us to do little else in the modern age where we, we want to achieve other goals other than just making it through the day. So that's what I mean by proper focus. What I mean by proper goals is what we touched on in last week's episode. When I said that effectively, the subconscious mind part of our mind that we need to impress if we want to change our lives, if we want to change any aspect of our lives. If, for example, we want to lose weight or get fit, it is the subconscious mind that we need to impress. That is why, for example, and a lot of people ask me this in relation to positive affirmations, they don't work because an affirmation is directed at the thinking mind, at the conscious mind. And they might work over a protracted period of time simply as a result of the drip, drip, drip effect or indeed throwing enough mud against the wall so that eventually some of it sticks. But why would you take the chance of it not sticking? Why would you wait months or perhaps years for that drip, drip, drip effect to have effect when you can actually set your subconscious mind to the bit of your mind that drives us forward in our daily lives, when you could impress the subconscious mind with proper goals. That's what I mean by proper goals. And undoubtedly, we will come back to setting our minds to proper goals again as we progress. But a couple of people got in contact with me after last week's episode in relation to intention in general. And I suppose their intentions in particular because it strikes me, and I've been doing this almost 25 years with my clients, it strikes me that most people don't know what their intentions are. They don't know what their goals are. They don't know what their objectives are. They're not really 100% sure very often why they go out of bed in the morning other than by virtue of the fact that the alarm went off or they have a job to go to or bills to pay. Most people aren't sure what their real intentions are, and certainly almost nobody is sure what their purpose is. And this is not a conversation about purpose. It's certainly not a conversation about one's life purpose by virtue of the fact that I'm not sure if any of us knows that it may unfold the more we indulge in proper focus. And I will certainly, certainly, certainly put together an episode on what I mean by that. But most people think they know what they want. And generally speaking, as a result of thinking that they know what they want, they are in all probability wrong. It's quite simple, really, if you refer to our earlier episodes where we talked about the way in which the mind thinks 70,000 thoughts every day and how, according to the Neural Lab at UCLA, most of today's 70,000 thoughts Will be the same as yesterday's and tomorrow will be a repeat performance. And what we know about where those 70,000 thoughts come from, they come from our stored knowledge. That's why they're on a loop, because they're kind of patterned, pre-programmed, repetitive thoughts. Uh, and as a result of those thoughts, and the fact that they were programmed during our formative years and the fact that we kind of share those kind of normal thoughts with normal people. In other words, there, were, there are norms of thinking. There are cultural norms, there are family norms, there are individual norms, uh, and by that I mean a group of individuals together. Say you're friends, you all think a particular way, and if somebody doesn't think that particular way, it may well be that you drift apart. Or become enemies, for that matter, depending on on, on exactly what we're talking about in relation to how we think. But the key point is that thinking, that you know what you want, is filtered through the repetitive, patterned, looped thought that is shared culturally, educationally, often religiously, and in terms of the people we hang out with. And of course, obviously, because a lot of this was actually programmed into us during the second, third, and fourth year of our lives, we're talking about our parents and our siblings and and our very first friends, or the people that bullied us when we were very young, as is often the case too. Why do I bring this up? Well, I bring it up for a very specific reason. There is no way in the world using that kind of patterned, pre-programmed, repetitive, and I have to say largely negative thought, that using thought we could come to the conclusion that we know what we want. We don't know what we want, generally speaking, we think we know what we want. As I said a minute ago, I've been doing this for nearly 25 years. It'll be 25 years next February. And one of my very first clients, who uh, I knew well before he became a client, rang me one day and said that he was having matrimonial difficulties. Now that's exactly the way he put it there, his words, not mine. And he said that his wife was getting increasingly annoyed with him because his new business wasn't generating the kind of revenue that they had been used to when he worked for a large organisation. And that the neighbours had just bought a new car and it made her feel like a tramp, and that's a quote as well, going around in her old car, and the neighbours were going on better holidays. They were going on the kind of holidays, two or three holidays a year, you know, ski holiday, a sun holiday, a couple of long weekends, and the neighbours were still going on all those holidays, and they weren't. And she said to him, look, uh, it's getting to the point where I can't continue this way. And he said to me on the phone, he said, I think she's going to walk out on me. Now, this is, this is a genuine story. I don't make these things up. In fact, I have worse stories than that, crazier stories than that. But it gives us an insight into what we think we want. Because generally speaking, when we go about the process of beginning to understand what we really, really want we always start with the comparative. There's almost nothing worse on the face of the earth than comparative thinking. Oh, he's better than me. She's better looking than me. He's cleverer than me. She's smarter than me. He has a bigger car than me. They go on better holidays than me. Generally speaking, when I first ask any of my clients what they really, really want, They start out with a process born out of comparative thinking. I want this because she has it. I want to work for myself because I've seen how good he has become at working for himself and the kind of lifestyle he has. I want a better job. Because the fool that I work for has just got promoted. Now, you see, even that sentence, the fool that I work for has just got promoted. And as somebody said to me last week, and I just can't understand how the fool got promoted and has ended up as my boss. Um, even that is, it, these are all judgments. And they're all judgments based on thought. And they are all judgments based on comparative thought. You see, so much bad stuff flows from comparative thinking. The primary one being jealousy, of course. I'm jealous because he just got promoted or she got promoted over me. I'm jealous because they have a bigger car. I'm jealous they go on better holidays. So these are the things I want to soothe my soul. These are the things I want so that I can say to myself, well, at least we're doing as well as the next door neighbours or our friends. These are the things that enable us take comfort in the fact, or in the perceived fact, that we're doing okay. And therefore, even though we might never really think about it this way, very often when we start thinking about what we really, really want, it is that little bit of jealousy that comes to the fore. We'll we'll never actually consider it that way, we'll consider it in a different way. I want this because, wait for it, these are the trappings of success in the environment in which I live. These are the norms of success. This is what success looks like because I've seen others having it and I want some of that. Now, I've said a really bad word in there and that was the word norm or norms. A norm is something that enough crazy people got together to agree on. And as a result of those crazy people coming together, we have a norm and therefore it is normal to think that way. If you've ever read any of my weekly normal crazy people stories, they've been going out with my free video every Thursday since 2008. If you've ever read any of those stories, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, if you've never heard that phrase before, normal crazy people, then let me sidestep into research in the United States in the 80s and 90s for a couple of minutes. sorry, that's where the research started. The research has has gone on all over the world, particularly in Italy uh, as well since. And all this research comes to the conclusion that if we are living our lives through thought, we're not really living our lives at all, we're not really present, we don't know what's going on, and our minds are controlling us rather than the other way around. As clear a definition of crazy as you will ever come across. And the more you develop your ability for proper focus, which we talked about last week. And indeed, what we practiced in one or two of the early episodes, the more you develop that, the more crazy you will realize people are around you. I I have a good friend, a client, who when I met him first on a one-day workshop that I was running in Dublin, he came up to me at the end of the day and he said, I don't know if you're aware of this, he said, I'm the HR director of the company that I work for. And he said, you've made my life and my job so much easier as a result of what I learned today. And I asked him, obviously, what he meant. And he said, well, there was I thinking, as head of HR, that I was dealing with rational people. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong with an awful lot of these people. But now that I know I'm dealing with normal, crazy people, it makes my life and my job so much easier. Easier. We're surrounded by them. In fact, in the, in the way in which we grew up and started using our minds on automatic pilot from the age of 12 or 30 and on, we ourselves are normal crazy people until, of course, we do something about it. The problem with normal crazy people isn't just their behaviour, it is the norms on which they agree. They agree norms of, you say this, you don't say that, you behave this way, you don't behave that way. And by the way, some norms in some little pockets, what, what psychology would call psychological niches, some norms are outrageous. You know, we all go out and uh, get completely stoned on a Friday night and swap husbands and wives. That is the norm in some situations. Um, We all go to our son or daughter's uh, football match on a Saturday and scream abuse at seven or eight-year-olds. That's the norm in situations like that. Why do you think tennis parents are called tennis parents? They are the world's worst for bullying their own children whilst they're playing, supposedly (laughs) trying to win, and bullying uh, someone else's child too. These are norms in particular areas of life. And we certainly have norms when it comes to understanding what we should want if we're successful. And this is obviously the wrong place to start. I want to re-emphasize the key point in today's episode. Never, never, now that you know what we're talking about, never let yourself slip back into comparative thinking. your happiness and your success, the purpose you have today, this week, this month, this year, not necessarily your life purpose, as I said, we'll come back to that at another point. The things you want to achieve, the goals you have, the outcomes you'd love to experience, these all have to come from the heart, not comparative thinking. You do not define your success on the basis of of what other people have. You do not define your success on the basis of what you think you would like to achieve. You do not define your success on the basis of what you think you would like to have in your life. You do not define your success on the basis of material things. Now, Red flags will go up all over the place the minute I say that, because red flags have been going up all over the place for the last nearly 25 years at this stage. Because people will say to me, are you saying we shouldn't want material things? That is not what I said. I said material things don't define your success. It's cool to have a nice car. It's wonderful to have nice holidays. It's nice to have nice things. But ultimately, success and happiness is a completely different experience than simply having something like a new car. The new car smell vanishes after a couple of weeks and it's an old car. It's interesting because, you know, an awful lot of people buy themselves bigger cars because it makes them feel better about themselves. And think about that sentence. They need something like a new car or a bigger car to feel better about themselves because they don't feel good about themselves in the first place. In other words, they're trying to use some label of success, a norm of success, something that others, who really don't care ultimately, something that others will say, oh, she or he is a success, look at them. Whereas success is something that comes from the inside out, not from the outside in. Let me me explore that for just a second more, because I often talk with my clients about the drug of approval. I like people to approve of me because it makes me feel better about myself. You know, one of the statements that I use in the Mindfulness Measurement Index with my clients is a compliment generally makes me feel better about myself. And if you mark yourself well on that statement, it's bad. Because whilst comments are wonderful, the sting in that statement is in the tail. It makes me feel better about myself. I may have quoted Anthony DeMello in some of our early episodes. If I didn't, I'm going to quote him now. And if you've never heard of him, I'd ask you to Google the little book, Awareness, uh, and see where that takes you. DeMello says that we were reared on the drug of approval. And in fact, we actually craved the drug of approval by the time we were three. Up to the age of two, you see, we thought the universe revolved around us and between the age of two and three we realised that's not the case at all. So we have to go looking for the approval that we thought was automatically just for us. We have to go looking for it in every little nook and cranny we can find in our daily lives. And you all know where that kind of behaviour leads. The point is that you shouldn't bother looking for other people's approval because they're looking for yours. That's, That's one of the norms of the normal crazies. You know, an awful lot of people say to me, oh, I worry about what other people think about me. Here's an interesting one, actually. A number of people over the years, before coming on my open workshops, or indeed before buying the uh, current program that I have, the Psychology of Success online program, a lot of people would say to me, um, I'm I'm not sure if I want to change. Somebody actually said to me, I'm not sure if I want to discover my own potential, I'd be afraid of what it might be. But their real fear was actually expressed in a subsequent conversation where they said, actually, I'd be afraid that if I changed, I'd worry what people would think of me. And the point I made to my my friend in question was, you shouldn't worry about what other people think of you they're not thinking of you at all. They're worrying about what you think of them. We're always a few steps removed from reality when we get into the world of thought. And indeed, right at the beginning of these episodes, we talked about stress. We talked about the waste of worry. Um, And worry is a thought built on another thought, built always on a flawed thought in relation to what if this happens what if that happens what if they don't like me what if they change what they think about me what if they think bad about me or what if they think differently about me and you see approval just like jealousy goes to the heart of what we think we want when we're suddenly confronted with the question what do you really want out of life And that is a question I ask all of my clients. I ask it a little more bluntly than that. What do you really, really want out of life? In other words, not what do you think you want, not how would you define success in terms of what you see around you. What matters to you? What kind of life do you want to have? What kind of experiences do you want to have in your life? Who is important to you? These are the things we need to explore when we start thinking about proper goals. And that is why I said last week that intention, proper goals, and attention, proper focus, go hand in hand. Because funnily enough, the more you clear your mind, the clearer what you really, really want becomes. For example, every time I meditate, I take another step along the road, along the path to a clearer, more focused, present mind. Now, Now, present mind means that I'm actually going to turn up to the here and now in my life, which means I'm gradually moving with every one of those steps that I take, away from being normal crazy, towards being something new and letting my own potential out from the inside. Every time I take one of those steps, I'm taking a step on that journey. Let me put it another way. Every time I take one of those little steps, I take a step up, another rung up the ladder. The more you climb up the ladder, the farther you can see the broader the horizon, the more you'll realize that were you to have defined what you really wanted, the success and happiness you wanted, while you were back at the bottom of the ladder, your view would be so constrained, your ideas would be so blinkered, that you wouldn't fully understand, You, you couldn't even begin to understand what you really, really really want out of life. When we begin to explore our own mind, I better clarify that one because some people, uh, uh, for example, I had an email from somebody a, a couple of days ago asking me, did I practice psychotherapy? And I said, no. I said, Uh, And I I kind of actually even steer clear of doing one-to-ones with people at this stage because I find that people who go through the online program, and we go through it in groups, and we have these constant and regular Zoom conversations in a group, those people move faster because the online program is totally geared towards the future, the future that you want to create for yourself. Whereas in a one-to-one conversation, clients often like to relive the past. And unfortunately, when we think about the past, when we go back into the past, what we're doing is constraining ourselves further, going back to our blinkered state of mind. What we need to do is clear that out. So, when I say to you, when you begin to examine your mind, I do not mean As you begin to examine your thoughts, or you begin to examine your perceived inadequacies or your self-limiting beliefs. What I mean is that the clearer your mind becomes as a result of regular mental exercising, of regular meditation, the clearer your mind becomes, the clearer what you really want out of life becomes. And you know, What you really want out of life sounds like a very, very big statement. But actually, you should know, heart and soul, body and soul, what you want out of life. Not in the future. Today. Because your life is here. Your life is now. And we don't know if we have tomorrow. All we're sure of. this moment. Therefore, when we look at intention and attention and put the two of them together, they dance together. They are like figure skating, a a figure skating couple. They move together. The two-piece jigsaw is not a complete picture if you've only one piece of it you need to ensure that you develop your ability to pay attention to the here and now through meditation, through regular meditation, and begin to let the kind of life you'd really like emerge. Begin to let it occur to you. We'll finish off today's episode with a little story. I'm constantly talking to people about understanding what a perfect moment would be like. I've used that phrase in in some of our episodes before. It's all over my website. It's all over my YouTube videos. It's all over my free uh, weekly videos on a Thursday. It's all over my Facebook Live. I'm constantly using the phrase perfect moment by virtue of the fact that the subconscious mind needs to be impressed by taking a psychological snapshot. And a snapshot is A snapshot of a moment. Now you wouldn't, as a properly focused adult, take a snapshot of an imperfect moment. If you're trying to impress your mind with the goals, the proper goals that you'd love to have, you take a snapshot of a perfect moment. So I'm constantly asking people to think, no I'm not actually, that's wrong. I'm constantly asking people to reflect on what a perfect moment might be like. And then ultimately they will come to the point where they will write that down. This can be a long drawn-out process simply by virtue of the fact of what we've been talking about in this episode, that people don't know where to start when they're asked the question, what do you really really want out of life? I got a call one day from a client. He said, I want to send you a photograph that I've just taken on my phone of something that I've jotted down on a sheet of paper. This guy's a project manager. He said, I was walking from the offices on the site down to the main site. It's about a 20-minute walk. He said, and I'd gone about 10 minutes into the walk when something occurred to me. It's like as if it came out of the blue. Uh, other clients use the phrase, "penny's dropping. Oh, a penny has dropped. Something occurred to him, and he wrote it down on a piece of paper he had in his pocket, took a photograph of it, and sent it to me a perfect moment had occurred to him. Not when he was thinking about what he wanted, but it came from within. It came from within a clearer and clearer mind that he had been cultivating by meditating regularly. And on that note, we'll finish this episode and we'll talk again next week. You've been listening to Succeed Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-portal.com.